Hello, and welcome to Sutra Sidewatch, episode 19. I'm your host, Comrade Shushtar, and with me hosting is... I'm Brandon from Apollo City Comics. Guys, we are in our second half of September with Mel Brooks, the most important Jew of all the Jews. <laughs> as, as me being one of the, the Jews myself, I would, I would say this with, uh, <laughs> with strong strong uh belief <laughs> this uh and this movie touches on that so much and you know if you think he got a lot of lashback for uh springtime and hitler man he got uh he had rabbis writing in for the, the spanish inquisition song <laughs> god damn it today we're doing history of the world part one um dude this is one of my favorite movies i grew up on this movie and this was something i saw and I saw that it was part one. And I remember being as a kid hunting down part two as like, you know, like a seven year old, 10 year old, like going through Blockbuster. And they're just like, that movie doesn't exist. And I'm like, but part one came out. Where's part two? <laughs> it's like that thing where it's the same with Kevin Smith, where Kevin Smith was like, yo, where's Mallrats 2 and Clerks 3? And he's been like working on it forever. And with this, it's the same, of course, of where's Spaceballs 2, The Quest for More Money, yes. and where's History of the World Part 2. And Mel came out and said, he's like, we'll never get History of the World Part 2. We might get Part 4, but there will never be a Part 2. So random. I love him. I he's, love it. He's, this movie is, um, you know, I feel like my fiance uh really does like Mel Brooks and you know Spaceballs, Basing Saddles and you know she sees how he pushes the barrier a lot but this is one where she's like this is just too damn ridiculous this is the most like boundary pushing film and they really push for that R rating they like hit that R rating they did everything they could yes like and it works and I think that's what works about Mel Brooks is that he gets topics he gets you know Hitler Spanish Inquisition, and he doesn't just make a joke about it, but he blows them up to where it's like you can't help but find it humorous and entertaining, and it makes you also think in a way as well. But it's also like what we said in the last episode, his whole point to really, you know, these are horrific people, horrific times, but he wants to squash them with comedy. And the best way you could squash something that's so disastrous and evil is to laugh at it and find the humor in it and make it dwindle into nothing because that's how like pathetic they really are. And that's like his whole point behind this humor. You know, it's actually very deep in a sense, but <laughs> man, it's, it's just brilliant, dude. <laughs> like making yeah, a no, it... dance scene out of all that, like it's the best. He he does so much with this, and it's like three key. I believe it's three key like portions of history, and then of course there's like the pro the prehistoric prologue, of course. Yeah, uh, let's start from the beginning, the the space odyssey scene. Uh, which this movie was 1981. Mm-hmm. This is ten years ten years before I came to this world. So this is like my fir- my sister was just being born when this came out. My t- my sister's like nine and ten years older, oh, nice. so it was like whoa, like this is fucking something, man. And I believe he wrote and like besides, you know, he directs these movies, but he also wrote this one as well. Yeah. Which is fantastic. That intro scene, I think, is just one of the funniest things in the world. It's not only a great homage to a space odyssey, but just the the man apes, you know, coming up and becoming something. And then just start tricking it like and passing out. 
Oh my gosh. What a, imagine being in a theater and like you're just there to see a comedy and you're like, oh, it's a new Mel Brooks film. I wonder what this is going to be like. And that's how it starts. It sets the tone for the entire film. You know what this entire movie is going to be about from the first like one minute. And you're just like, all right, this is going to be utterly ridiculous and utterly sexual across almost every single part too. I hope parents brought their kids. I really hope so many kids watch this movie because it's it it would spawn so many questions and i'd love just seeing a parent's face being like fuck yes i fucked up well (laughs) my wife's gonna kill me i grew up going to like you my pre-k and kindergarten schools were uh um like catholic schools it was like a little you know catholic beginning and whatnot you get god in school at the same time so it kind of worked out for my dad and watching the next the following scene with moses (laughs) i bring you the 15 (laughs) 10, 10 commandments. You, yeah. I, you can't get that out of your head as like uh, like a child. That is just what sticks. And that's like the funniest thing. And making jokes like that in Catholic school really wasn't the most appropriate thing in the world. And I remember getting in trouble for making jokes around other people uh, because their parents were a lot stricter. Um, but <laughs> this is the greatest thing in the world. We're missing five commandments. You got to do what needs to be done. You know, yes. they need to hear it whether they want to or not. That like I can only imagine Catholic school. I can't even imagine. (laughs) I'd love to just be there and be like, how'd the Jew get it? But also, why is he telling these jokes? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's you know, the beginning of it is just nonsense. And I think when I look at critical response about it, a lot of the critics were saying is that there's not a comprehensive narrative. But I've never viewed this movie to be one comprehensive narrative. I, I viewed it as like a movie we'd watch like when you're in elementary school and it's like literally the history of the world and you get segments at a time and you're not, you know, you're kind of zoning in on certain areas a bit more. It's like when you watch those dinosaur movies, I can't think of like the company, but it started with an, uh, I don't know if it was Smithsonian or something like that, but they had like a cool intro where it's all white and you're going through different stuff. And they were like science movies we'd watch as a kid. And it would go through the history of things. And to me, this was just a historical movie talking about various pieces. And I wasn't looking for a narrative. I wasn't looking for act one, two, and three. Like this was just straight up like a segment movie, a bunch of uh, skits and whatnot sewn together to create the history. And uh, it was meant to be presented as one of those type of films so i think when i look at critical responses that are bashing on it saying it had no true like plot points and stuff like this i'm like no like i don't think that was an intention for this and if you're looking at this movie as you know it's now known as a classic but if you're trying to like critically analyze it as any other film like uh, another comedy or another like drama or something it's not the same equation because it's not the same format um but the fact that he could pull that off and for it to, you know, it kind of came out with a great burst because it was a Mo Brooks film and then people didn't really like it. But over time, people understood it and it's continued to become a cult classic. Like it just shows like the brilliance behind it and the fact that people just didn't get it when it came out. And it's taken, I mean, this only came out in Blu-ray like in 2010. It took a while to re-release this thing. Um, and I don't think there was any other type of release other than the standard Blu-ray. Uh, just because it, it was just not something that was received well. And when you look at the Rotten Tomato score and the critic score, they're all super low. But you look at Amazon and all those other viewer scores, it's just like in the high, you know, 4.3 stars, like 97% like it, stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. And like, 
I want to say it reminds me of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, there you because go. Because it has such an abrupt, like, oh, we're on a quest, and all of a sudden cops come out of nowhere and arrest everybody, and it's just like, wait, what? what yeah. What's happening? And the movie just ends, and you're like, oh, okay. Like, it, it, it feels like that in a sense of, like, it's just there for the comedy. You're going through these, like, separate little mm-hmm. kind of sub-portions, and then it's done. And that's it. And you kind of just leave with a smile on your face and you're happy. Yeah. And you have a bunch of quotes that you're going to annoy the shit out of people with. <laughs> and that's that's kind of the point of it. Pretty much. You're like, oh, it's good to be the king. And you're just kind of walking. You're just done. I did not realize that it's good to be a king um, was like a quote that started with Mel Brooks. That was like his famous line from this movie. And that has carried on to stuff. I thought that was like from the Lion King or something where it got famous, but it was literally history of the world uh, that I know of um, where that line came about and just, it just kind of like manifested itself and infected everything else. And whenever I hear that line now, I feel if I watch Lion King, I'm like, this is, this is disgusting. (laughs) Actually, I think it did originate with Lion King. Mufasa would go to all the different lionesses and just put his face in all their bosoms and be like, oh, it's good. (laughs) Simba, it's good to be the King Zazu. Watch as I do. (laughs) And Scar is like, motherfucker, I want the bosoms. I'm going to kill you. And then I'm going to send you some away so I can get all the bosoms to myself. (laughs) You know, imagine Jeremy Irons saying that and singing about it, being like, you'll be the bosoms. That's Simba. what we need. <laughs> That's what we need. <laughs> Doesn't he work on that remake? That should have been the fucking live action yes. CG remake bullshit that yes. they did. That, that would have that would have drawn me in, you know? Yeah. Open up to a new audience there. Come on, Disney. Um Get with the times, man. You know, and there too, uh Mel Brooks his acting was brilliant. What other movies does he really act in? I know he has like small cameos in a lot of his movies and he's always done like small stuff, but to be like a, almost a main character throughout the entire film. Uh, well, I mean he did life stinks and stuff like that, but I'm talking about like his really like big prominently known ones. I don't think he's ever been like a prominent character. I think the old, the closest thing was probably honestly just the, uh, what was his name in Spaceballs? He plays the president. Oh, he's like the emperor. Yeah, the president emperor. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the closest. And it's like, you know, he's very vibrant in that. And even though he's not in the whole movie, uh, he definitely has a very big presence. Yeah. Sniffing air. And, and he's... <laughs> oh, Yo! <man>. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, you know, I think this was, you know, he did High Anxiety and uh, Life Stinks right before this. So I guess that's where he really got comfortable with it. Um, and this is right before Spaceballs. I believe this is the film that came out immediately before. So it's kind of hilarious. You know, his his switchover has always just been great because he did so much back to back to back. Uh, Mel's like career. It's funny, you know, we discussed it last time. It stopped basically. But all these movies just continue to grow in fandom and, you know, in culture. Uh Spaceballs is referred to everywhere. We were just at Disney, and I'm pretty sure we made Spaceball references to random people. We went into the uh, Lego store at Disney That's Springs. What it was. Yeah. And <laughs> I think he said merchandise and yeah. merchandise. He was wearing Spaceballs, the mask or the movie mask or something. Yeah, um, it was so good. And 
uh let's see I'm, i pulled this up real fast um so he had done the producers which was kind of like his first one and then blazing saddles his second biggest well-known one young frankenstein oh a silent movie and high anxiety high anxiety and then history of the world and then space balls and then his next big one was robin hood men in tights basically uh but damn this was the middle of his career dead center in the middle and I feel like you really see Mel Brooks, like his power and how much he controls stuff and his brilliance. Just because when you look at the movies that came out before it, like Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, um, they all have like very core components and they all have like the musical scene and they all have, it, it's his formula. You know, it's kind of just by now, you know what to expect from a Mel Brooks film and you know, you're going to get like a musical number that's going to be insane you know you're going to get just like a bizarre story that is going to be very sexual um very uh offensive in a sense and like his this one's highly sexual <laughs> this is the most sexual like it's more more than just usa go to work usa go to yeah. work yes <laughs> like this was like this was the I, you know as a kid i didn't get the like the boner eunuch part at first um, and watching that, like I watched, you know, what, when I bought this movie in Blu-ray, like five, six years ago, uh, I watched it and I was like, I finally get this scene. I didn't get it when I was in like first grade kindergarten. Now I understand it. Oh, you goodness. saw that in first grade. Yeah. I saw this movie very early on. Like this was, I'm Props telling you, you. Yeah. you did a good job. <laughs> you did a good job. Yeah. I, I, I think I've said it before, but I watched this in high school. I wasn't at school. It was uh, the the yeah. Jewish community center. We were a bunch of Jewish teens, just like, oh boy, history of the world part one, and we're fucking dying. Oh, yeah. Like this, I was laughing so hard at this. You have like fifteen year old, sixteen year olds, and they're just like, I think I was like fifteen. I want to say when I saw this, I was I was like a sophomore, but it was just so superb as a kid you're just enjoying the shit out of it and it's funny like when i was searching for when i was looking for the producers on um, itunes when we did the episode uh the trending movies at the time i forgot what the first one was but history of the world part one was trending really hard about a month ago and i was like why why is this like <laughs> i own this on blu-ray i don't need to search for it so i thought it would be like my search query or recommended and i was like no this is just like trending right now for some reason and i never like fully looked into it but i was like damn i'm still glad this movie's coming up and it's still getting shown places like the fact that you saw it there and i remember blockbuster days is when i saw it and it's it was recently on netflix too maybe people were looking into it more because they happened to see it there but i don't think this is a movie that's ever going to disappear and i feel like it's more historically accurate than most uh history-based movies to be honest like when it comes to how people actually acted maybe uh like the french the french time is the especially one. the p-boys yeah the piss, the piss boys god damn yeah the royal uh, piss boys let's hold the bucket yes hold the bucket the peen. um hang on i didn't do my last dab <laughs> <laughs> it's just the look of satisfaction on his face it's just so good and you know actually the um, the Roman times, that's like the probably the longest skit in it, I would say, right? It was probably the main... The main story. Main, yeah, like, because the Spanish Inquisition was more like a intermission between the two. It was like a musical intermission, mm -hmm. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. And so Gregory Hines, uh, who played Josephus... <laughs> 
obviously goofy name Josephus. Uh, he it was actually supposed to be Richard Pryor that did that part. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but two days before production started, that's when Richard Pryor had that freebasing accident and he burned his face, and he had to Oof. get like med- medical like attention for all that, and. Mm-hmm. Um, poor Richard Pryor. I was actually looking up his history. I didn't realize like he grew up like um, his grandma was like a prostitute, and he lived in like basically like a brothel when he was born until he was like a young kid, and then he was like beat in like school, and he was beat by like his the people that raised him. He had a very hard upbringing, and so I did not know. Yeah, this. yeah it was shit. very brutal. Like it was very just it's sad. It was very tragic. Um, and then just looking at the comedy that he produced years after that and then like you know he was a drug addict and whatnot but it's like it makes sense like that's a lot of pain going into that because when i when i read that it was a freebasing accident that prevented him from being in this um that's when i did all that like i kind of went down a rabbit hole and he was supposed to be in another mel brooks film i can't recall which other one he was supposed. maybe it was blazing saddles um i could be mistaken on that but again there was like that one did have a I believe that one had yeah that one had the black sheriff yeah yeah exactly was yeah I mean, that wasn't him though was it no, no. I don't think oh, okay so. then yeah he was supposed to be in another one um it's weird because him and Gene Wilder had a very good career relationship but I guess every time when him and Mo Brooks got like involved it was like always an almost um I can't recall what else he was in that prevented it but yeah Richard Pryor was supposed to be in it and Gregory Hines basically had a fly out and during. I guess they're the, his first test run. They were just like, "All right, you if you if you don't nail this like right now, we're gonna have to find someone else because we need someone to start in two days." And ten minutes in, Mel was like, "You're great, you're brilliant. Don't worry about anything. You got it." And he basically started that role two days before filming started. So mag- that's amazing. Yeah, and it's a magnificent performance. You, it looks like he prepared for that role for months when it was like, man, he just was winging it for the majority of the time, like. And that's just awesome because I love the whole Roman scene. It's hilarious. It's one of the best like moments in the entire film. Uh... <laughs> Dude, just his lines alone, where he says, "I'm don't you can't feed me to the lines. I'm Jewish," <laughs> and they just look in his pants and they go, "Jewish, huh?" Yeah. It's like he missed. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, yes, it was. Uh... <laughs> when they're they're all running out and they light the giant joint and they get the Romans all stoned. I couldn't believe they did that. That was so good. Do you what what have, what do you think about if the Roman Empire falls? <laughs> Fuck them, man. <laughs> <laughs> the dance scene. Um, apparently it was like ninety eight degrees outside. It was like brutally hot out there, and uh, they did it at oh the random. sand dance. Yeah, that did? no, not the sand dance. The Roman dance when they're all stoned. Um. Oh. They they did it like at random just for laughs, and then Mel was like, "That was brilliant. Do it one more time." And they're like, "Mel, it's so hot. Like, there's no way we can, you know, do this more." He's like, "One more time. You gotta do yeah. it. Yeah, you gotta do it." <laughs> Mel was even saying, "He's like, I don't mind killing actors. You know, once they get their job done, it's great. But if they die, you yeah, know, it just happens. You know, it's part of the I mean, part of filming." <laughs> when the Roman cops come up on a. On Josephus, he's just because they said, like, what, are they, what are they say? He's like, seize him, and he's like, seize this, honkers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what do you, what, it was like, uh, what, what do you think we do to uh, people that har- like slaves that harm uh, a Roman citizen? And someone just straight up goes, like, they send a living snake up your ass, and they're like, what? 
No, that's it's very imaginative. Yeah. But no, very it's not creative. what we. Like he thought about it. He's like, you know what? We yeah, gotta keep that one. Yeah. <laughs> no uh, lions. No, no, no. He is correct. He, it is lions. <laughs> it's just... No, yeah. She's like, no. Uh, my, oh my one of my God. favorite parts there is the unemployment line because it has what's her face from uh, why was I about to say Golden Girls I was going to say Gilmore Girls and I was like what's wrong oh yeah, yeah, and, no, yeah <laughs> definitely from Gilmore Girls so. <laughs> no, no 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 you're thinking of Gossip Girl <laughs> yeah the know. Gossip Girl yeah the, another double G girl show um, but the you bullshit today <laughs> did you bullshit last week <laughs> And it was, I think that's just too funny because, like, when I was on unemployment, like, uh, you know, right around COVID and whatnot, when people were getting kind of not laid off, but like kind of put to the side for a little bit, I remember having to go through all the whole paperwork of just like, do you look for a job today? Yes. Do you look for one last week? Yes. Like, it was the same thing. And the, I mean, putting that into Roman ideals uh, for the gladiator, did you kill today? No. Did you kill last week? No. Did you try to kill last week? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh! You better try to kill someone, or else, you know we may have to change your <laughs> yeah, your, your, your status. I, I love how our system hasn't developed at all to the point where it's still being able to like it's made a joke there, and you'd believe it. You're like, yeah, it seems like something ancient that no one ever fixed, but it's right? you know it's fine, it's fine, <laughs> right? Like it's still the same shit. Um, or the the Senate where they're like, yeah, quick disguise yourselves as the Senate, and they just walk around going bullshit, bullshit, <laughs> bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And I was like, oh. This is the most accurate part of the movie, probably. The one part where they're all voting on something and like, all in favor? Fuck the poor. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I... That shit was... It's, it's great because it's still... I think that's what makes Mel Brooks' films so timeless. I mean, Spaceballs, it was a parody of Star Wars, which is the most well-known you know, sci-fi franchise. Uh, young Frankenstein parodying Frankenstein, a classic monster. Um, here we are. The essentials that you're, I think we're all taught in ele- you know elementary school, middle school of just like the bare bones essentials of the history of the world. Like we all know about Roman history. We all know about like stuff about the French Revolution. And, you know, these are all things that were like key events that were mentioned. So even then, you know, it was made, gosh, what, 40 years ago, I guess? The 80s? Uh yeah. Oh fuck! Don't yeah yeah. yeah. Oh, forty years, like a little yeah, about Jesus forty years. Christ. Actually, this is the fortieth anniversary. It was nineteen eighty one? It came out right. We keep doing this. Like we did the thirty fifth anniversary of Aliens, and now we're doing the fortieth anniversary of History of the World Part One. Yeah, like we, unintentionally, yeah. we just kind of this kind of happened. Yeah, like, All right, well, fucking, I can't. I, I wonder what we do next year. Yeah, <laughs> how many anniversaries will be the will there be? Oh man, so yeah, there you go. Forty years old, and it's still highly relevant and understandable. I don't know how like much the school system has changed recently because the world sucks right now and things are being altered. But uh, I think this is still like very key components that they'd go over. You know, caveman stuff, and then anyone who grew up in a religious household knows about the Ten Commandments. Like you get these scenes and the moments, and you get the style. And I think that's why it was so easy for me to catch on as a kid because you were learning all that in history class at the time. So it makes it simple for you to jump on. Uh, you know, doing a Wild West film, that's an easy thing to jump on as well. Like we're all kind of brought up on these like kind of key parts in, uh, I guess, pop culture and history that Mel knows exactly what to choose for us 
all to understand as a mass audience. And that's super hard to do and not make it feel overly dated and jokes that just don't make sense because you're like, what does that mean? Like, that was an 80s reference I didn't get. Like, that doesn't happen with any of these. He makes it so timeless that 40 years later, every single joke is relevant. Mm -hmm. Every single, it's like, it just, it ages so perfectly. From the first joke on, you know, that's the cool part. Like a bunch of apes masturbating yeah. and then passing out. Like what the, that's brilliant. Like, yeah. And the, I mean, the male, <laughs> the males will like being, being male is never going to change. Yeah. Like you're just like, Oh no, it's no, it checks out. It seems, that seems about right. And even like, or the, the, the caveman. Yeah. I was about to bring up the caveman. Yeah. Like, uh, the artist and the critic, <laughs> he goes and pisses on the, the, the world's first critic. He comes, <laughs> I don't like it. I'm a piss on this year. <gasps> Okay, I don't know why he sounds like that, but that's just kind of what I imagine K people to sound. Sorry, Brits, but you know. Speaking of which, the narrator. Did you pay attention to the narrator for this movie? Is uh, wasn't it Orson Welles? Yes. Yeah. Insane. Orson Welles narrated this movie, and actually, Mel hired Amon. He said, "I'll pay you five thousand a day for a week's worth, and I'll pay you up front so you could come in and do it." So Mel paid him twenty five thousand dollars up front so that Orson could record for the next five days. And Orson went over the script and did all that the night before. And on Monday, he came in. Uh, by lunchtime, he had finished uh, up to the Roman part. After lunch, he had gone up to another half of it. And by 4.30 that day, he had finished the entire movie because he nailed it all in one take. And <laughs> I'm Orson Welles. I will tell you the story of the history of the world. <laughs> And I will drink this wine and get drunk. Mel was and so annoyed. Do horrible commercials after. He was like, "I paid you twenty five thousand, and you knocked it all out in one day." Like, I, he got, he's like, "I got gypped, I got gypped super hard, but hey, it worked out." But apparently, Orson Welles was like really big at the time too, and like they were just like oh, riding yeah. out of snacks like crazy. Rose Bud, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> but I, I bid you guys to. Uh, Look up on YouTube Orson Welles wine commercials. You won't regret it. Trust me. Oh yeah, it's some of the best shit. It's you, you. Everyone wants him for everything, and he said, "You want me? All right, you're gonna get me. Whether you, you're gonna get something of me, aren't you? Fucking <laughs> get someone drunk." Um, but now it was amazing. And then um, the comedy of the caveman of just the first everything, the first songs of just smashing the rocks on their feet to the spear where the guys like oh hey oh. <laughs> in the funeral and they just toss him i love that oh, cheesy my... like uh t-rex that comes out and bites them when they're inventing comedy and whatnot like that was that was just too awesome dude you know what was the most accurate part of that is that the funny like people always try to because you know everything that seems like it's hurtful that's funny people try to cancel it now uh, but the funniest stuff, like the funniest stuff is always something that's either the misfortune or the pain yes. of someone else. Mm -hmm. Like that is actually always like, that's why that scene is so fucking hilarious yeah. and everyone's laughing too. It's like, oh yeah, it's the misfortune of something else. Cause now you don't have to laugh. You're laughing at something cause you feel better about yourself now. It's like, that's the whole point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, so. and it's funny how that's scary. He started it like in the caveman days of discovering that you know he's just like comedy 101 right there like your basic bare bone rules and look how long it's been about and you watch all these skits and events and it's like that's what Tomo does like it's just he the knows fucking it. fire so fucking <sighs> stupid <laughs> 
dude every every part of the caveman scene i just thought was utterly brilliant you're like how yeah. you're right this would that's how singing would come about like a bunch of screaming and them all smashing each other's toes and like oh man that it was just i don't know his mind is just astonishing when it comes to knowing how to just get everything we know and basically relearn it and be like i feel like this is believable i feel like this this can totally pass at some point i definitely state. believe the marriages <laughs> the first oh, marriage okay. is fucking hoppa. the first homosexual marriage <laughs> it's just the same thing <laughs> just what do and again you know he's doing jokes and hitting topics that weren't very big at the time you know now we're kind of used to like you know jokes like that but but you know attacking those topics in the in those days like in 1981 dude that that's still still pretty ballsy at that time you the know? cold war is still happening yeah like it's he was i don't know i i think that's so cool that he just had the guts to push those limits and to be like you know what i know it's funny and i know what's uh what's tr- real and accurate in the world and how to play with those things like you know there was or the whole like community now that uh i always mess it up the like lb i always forget oh the lbt lb holy shit imagine you made me yeah forget it. <laughs> yeah yeah we know what we're trying to say we love you guys um, yeah, you guys know what you're talking but about. I'm, I, I, it's so prominent yeah. now and it's so like kind of natural to a lot of us but like in the 80s that wasn't the case you know, LBGTQ. There you go. Ah, yeah, I remember yeah, it. There. I don't know why I, I blanked on the G. The G. All yes, of a sudden that's where I got me. stuck, like, and I was like, it's blank right out there. there. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the same thing with the Hitler part, like with the producers, like hitting that just what twenty years after the war ended mm-hmm. was still pretty fresh, and twenty years later he's still making jokes about some of these things. And of course, Hitler stuff is kind of funny now. You don't really care about it. Jojo Rabbit, when it came out, it wasn't like huge. Like, oh, what's a Hitler joke? It's like no one cared. Yeah, like Mel. It's like, oh, it's a child with his imaginary Hitler friend. And like, oh, that's cute. Okay, right? Yeah. And- <laughs> Mel was breaking those boundaries, and I feel like if it wasn't for Mel doing that, we wouldn't get a movie like Jojo Rabbit, and be able to make no. jokes about these big political um, characters. You know, when you look at what was the one where Seth Seth Rogen. Um, but yeah, yeah, Seth. Uh, and what's his face? Go to another Jewish man. Yeah, straight up. Uh, go to uh North Korea. What's that movie called? Oh yeah, it's the interview the with interview. Seth Rogen and James Franco. I don't think you would. I don't think they could pull off those movies if it wasn't for Mel doing all this. Paving first. the way. Yeah, he yeah. paved the way for us to have this kind of humor and for us to be able to laugh and to realize why it's good to laugh at these things. And he, I can't think of any other comedy or any other singular person that has really done that much for the industry. Yeah, honestly, I feel like if you went to like a some commentary or interview where you like go to ask like, let's say Taika Waititi mm-hmm. or Seth Rogen questions, I bet you anything if you asked either, uh, if you probably just asked what are big influences for you or like what were big influences growing up, I bet both would probably just be like Mel Brooks. Yeah. Like, I almost feel like that's a guarantee. Uh, maybe some Monty Python, of course. Too. Oh, yeah. Like those go. I always felt like those went hand in hand. Like, oh yeah, usually I could see Bill that Brooks and Monty Python because they were around the same. Was Monty Python like a little bit sooner, right? Because that was like the seventies. I want to say so. That sounds very. It was like in the. It was like in America, everyone was on drugs, and Britain, everyone's like, let's let's do Monty Python. 
you know, yeah, a Holy Grail came out in '75. Okay, yeah, so yeah. There you go. And I feel and like they showed it to a bunch of stoned-up Americans who were fucking high out of their minds, and they're probably like, "Oh, this is the best thing ever." Yes, exactly. It. Uh, I wonder when the Monty Pythons started. Oh, 1969, or yeah, yeah. Hey, when was Life of Brian then? Because that one is also highly. Um, like. Let's see. I'm gonna look that up too. But there is so much. 1979. Okay, damn. Um, Meaning of Life, 1983. Okay. And now for something completely different is just God, Monty. And that's the thing. Monty Python was an another one of those like that was pre SNL that inspired so much that like created so much in the comedy world and. I feel like everybody that is big in comedy now always references Monty Python. And yeah, I mean, honestly, if you watch Monty Python, you probably won't. I I can't laugh at SNL after watching Monty Python. I'm like, this isn't that funny. Right? Monty Python's funny. Yeah, yeah. and it's Honest, still, that's that's just how I've been for it. You well, I mean, they they, they made the first Spanish Inquisition jokes too, which is no one, one of, ever suspects. No one ever suspects the Spanish Inquisition, and they all come in one yeah. has like a fucking pilot's hat on. You're like, what's going on here? Oh my God, gosh. no, the, the Spanish Inquisition is fantastic. Yes, not actually. Yeah, but, yeah, but they they, like, they knew how to poke fun at it. They knew how to make it a laughing yeah. you know stance, and for you to realize like just. It, laugh at it this shit's goofy and that's how we should take life uh and you're right you're absolutely right like everything past that is just like a total i'm not gonna say ripoff but very totally inspired by that um entire era of comedy and i think that's why especially now the more the older i get the further back with movies i seem to go yeah i've been watching like the odd couple from the 60s and you know old mysteries like columbo and um, kind of just diving into these older films that had, I guess, more meaning and more, uh, I guess, purpose and kind of survival. Wait, is Columbo the one where he's like, yeah, I suspected that you were the blah, blah. And it's like the whole, he's like solving shit or something. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. He's a detective. I, I, dude, when I was in Savannah right before this, there was a whole conversation on that. And I was like, I missed something completely where everyone was like on this weird Columbo kick and then sending someone to the Columbo dimension or I don't even know. Let's do it. It'll be on. our t- but now that you said that, I'm like, oh fuck that. You know, if Columbo. we start another podcast, we can start the Columbo podcast in twenty twenty two. We're not doing that. <laughs> Colum- nah, definitely not. We should have a uh you know, if we ever do T V shows, Columbo would definitely be uh, a topic. And stuff like that and the prisoner and um I don't know. They were just all brilliant shows at that time. They were all just Fucking TV shows. It'd be like, oh yeah, yo, let me give me give me an hour and a half to watch this movie. And be like, yo, give me uh, give me two months to watch yes. this like eight season show. Yeah. Hang on, give me one second. Just nothing like, but Fuck. that. Like... But guys, we have to record it next week. Oh no, <laughs> no sleep. Um, yeah, I mean, just like these, this whole entire seventies. Six, I don't know, the sixties to the eighties. I feel it's like when we got the best amount of entertainment. Um. A little bit into the 50s too like that's where we had just stories that did served a purpose i feel yeah. it wasn't just you know i love marvel movies but marvel movies don't really serve a purpose after a while they're all very cookie cutter in a sense and you know i, I mean i'm still gonna i still watch them all you know i'm no disrespect yeah, like, to them. it's like actually who said who described them as roller coasters was like very accurate where you're like what are those great what well, i see you 
Yeah. He's kind of done with it. Yeah, like, exactly. It doesn't hit you much. the same the second time. Um, was that Home Slice, uh, Goodfellas? Um, Scorsese. Scorsese. I think that was something like that. When that whole giant shit show started. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, and it's like, just watch The Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants you to watch The yeah. Irishman. That's why he's saying all this shit. He's just stirring up controversy to go watch this movie. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> oh good God, promotional material. It's, it's like, like you... no, everyone's getting up in arms in it. There's online wars, and you're just like, he just wants you to watch the movie. That's why he's Yeah, that's it. it. It's, it's coming like, out next wrong, week. You know, he's like, you want to see a real movie? I have a real movie for you. It's very Irish. Yeah, and now I think Dennis, Dennis de Villeneuve. Oh yeah, he's doing it. I'm not saying his last name, but he's also he he did that with Dune. Mm -hmm. I think he's saying the same thing where he's like, "How do you compete with these comics?" And it was like, "Wow, okay, he's not wrong, but also like, you know, what are you doing?" Yeah, no, exactly. And I I I can I can see both sides of the spectrum a hundred percent. Uh, you know, some of these movies I do appreciate. You know. Scorsese and so much just because they're brilliant. We're gonna, his new name is Dennis. <laughs> that's, that's just what it's gonna be now. You see that new dual movie? Dual movie it's by uh, Dennis. <laughs> I love it. It's fucking del- it's delightful. I don't know why I'm from New York now. <laughs> oh my god, that made me squeak. Actually, right, that was yeah. so funny. Um, but, <laughs> they're brilliant and they know the craft you know they are the like yeah. Alan Moore's of their craft you know and now like comic books are spewing into the movies where I'm I'm currently going through my comic book collection and I have so many comics I haven't read and so many series I've picked up because there was like a whole series and I was like I want to read these I'll eventually get to it and I'm like actually getting to it and now they're just going to the cell pile because it's like they don't really serve it's just made to be made in a sense you know they don't really serve a purpose and that's a lot of these marvel movies and superhero movies they, it's blockbuster schlock. yeah it's just money these are just cash grabs you know they're they're fun yeah. they're action oriented which is great but they don't serve a full overall purpose other than just to purely entertain and entertaining is only a small part of storytelling it's also supposed to be about survival information about you know realizing i guess eye-opening experiences and priorities and kind of reality but in a different essence and a lot of the you know the marvel movies just totally just miss those marks in a lot of sense uh there's a handful of marvel and dc movies that do go in that direction i would definitely say but um the over overall result <laughs> you know when you look at uh the average of movie it, it misses that mark completely um yeah it's like when you ask it, it's like um I think what was it Black Panther got nominated for an Oscar mm-hmm. and we're just kind of like but why yeah <laughs> you know Chadwick is astonishing and the fact that they had a like a complete crew of uh, African-American like workers which is rare in the industry and that's what's so what made that movie so like great was because it's hard yeah. for honestly really hard for black people to get into the industry they kind of just get pushed aside and to have a complete crew like that and actors and everything it is unheard of which is odd you know for the most part yeah it's so rare that it does happen but I see the significance behind that but like overall as a film I'm like yeah it was a cool Black Panther movie yeah the movie yeah. itself yeah it's like it's still falls in line for the most part with the rest of them and it's yeah. like um, it's very rare that something will actually pop out because when you think about it you're like okay you liked it right and you're like yeah yeah okay so what about it spoke to you what really brought 
out a lot from you emotionally or just like thoughtfulness like what made you think and what made you feel for it mm-hmm. and you go like well, i liked it when they fought and then it blew up and <laughs> he was like i'm iron man yeah like, oh. okay great um anyone else anyone else yeah. here has a movie they want to talk about <laughs> yeah exactly it's they don't really speak to you in the same sense and you know comics do the same thing like and it's it's just there's so much of it not everything's going to be the best you know like if you really yeah. you know you look at scorsese and all these other guys mel, mel brooks perfect example mel brooks did a handful of films um all within a certain period and they've all continued to grow on people. And the more you watch it, the more you understand. And it's because he was so kind of, not like sporadic, that's the wrong word. But he focused so much on each film and put so much into each one. They all have meaning and they all stand out on their own. When you think of, I don't know, Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, we didn't know a good Guardian story uh, until the first film. And even then, it is still a mar. It's now a Marvel formula. That that first Guardians movie is now the exact same formula that they use for like Suicide Squad and whatnot. Like it's translated very easily, and it's just abundance of it. But if you look at James Gunn's other works, they kind of stand out a bit more. They kind of like you yeah, see Super and Slither to be specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They like really do something where it's like, oh, what if I made a dark superhero movie and. Uh, the hero beats someone with a wrench for cutting in line, and you're like, "Fuck!" Yeah, <laughs> dude. And you look at uh, what was the Superman Twisted Superman one he did? Brightburn. Brightburn. Yeah, even that one. I haven't was, seen that still. Oh, it's still, yeah. it's really good. But like that Alan Moore approach, I feel, and that's like you know the wrong term for it probably, but like, and if you know comics, Alan, you know Alan Moore is the one that really transformed things and got the medium and made every story he made he brought in that dark that dark and that reality and the fears and he all of his work from swamp thing to miracle man to league of extraordinary gentlemen they all did something for the medium and the you know when you all of his works are very concise and you could see what he put into him providence is one of the most brilliant comics ever storytelling on a whole nother level and you know marvel movies aren't like that and a lot of marvel comics aren't like that uh so that you know it's not to stray too far from Mel Brooks but like you look at the comedy aspects be- that Marvel puts into it and it's like it's just comedy to be there Mel Brooks puts comedy for a purpose you know there's huge gaps in the ideas and the approach to all of that and you know I, I can see why some filmmakers get upset at some some of this big blockbuster stuff but you know when it comes down to it you know a buck is a buck at a certain point <laughs> oh yeah no yeah. for sure but I guess back to the movie itself, like you get such a weird, um, I guess not even weird, but more like an up and down of what exactly is happening in the film itself. Like it's very much you start off with narration mm-hmm. and then you go to like a, a full on story. that seems like it's kind of the main portion of the movie. And then you get to a musical. And then you get to another story. It's a little bit shorter than the previous one, but it's still like up there. The French Revolution is like the second longest one, right? Yes. Yes. Very much so. From the, from the piss bucket to the chariot that takes them off with miracle. It it goes, (laughs) 
it goes pretty well and they even with it even with it just being ridiculous nonsense of comedy where they're like oh yeah this the the streets are crawling with roman soldiers and they look out and there's literally roman soldiers crawling on the ground and you're just like fuck's sake it's like that literal of just hilarious jokes but even then they still make sure there's full setups Mm -hmm. like when you get to the french revolution Uh, You have an actual, like, oh, here's the atmosphere of what's going on in this uh, timeline. And you have uh, dudes selling rats and nothing. Like, the guy's like, I'm selling absolutely nothing. I have nothing to sell. And you're like, what the fuck is he doing? And there's, like, a woman out there who's just like, this is disgusting. She goes inside and they're like, we're going to plot the revolution. And they just kind of do that buildup. That that actress that's in it, she's also... uh... Is it Fabuka in uh, Young Frankenstein? It's the same lady, right? Uh, that one, I that one. So I I've partially seen that movie. I never really watched oh. it all the way through, so I need to actually go back. October but it's a, up, you got to do it. It's a Cloris Leachman yeah. uh, plays Madame Defarge Defarge, <laughs> and I because I think she says like we are, you know, we're France, and then someone's like <clears throat> she's like sorry France yeah, or something yeah. like they're that like and they're stuff. like. We don't even, we're so poor, we don't even have our own language. We just have these weird, like, off-putting accents. And they're like, ha, oh. It's <laughs> like, what the fuck? But they do that full setup before they even hit, like, the actual characters really following. Because yeah. she's only there at that beginning to bring in what's going on. And then comes at the end going, oh, hey, remember that revolution we were talking about? Here we are again. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the most part, though, you're following Mel Brooks and uh, what was the fucking... You had that guy from the producers come back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. i just basing out his name. But, yeah, he was also – that's a cool part. Mel Brooks brings up a lot of people that he's already worked with, and it's cool seeing them over and over. Uh, just like the girl um, in the Roman Empire part, uh, she's also in – she's the girlfriend in Young Frankenstein. She was – Are you talking about Mary Margaret Humes? Yeah, yeah. She plays Miriam? Yeah. Or – yeah, cause she she was I'm a I'm a virgin. Everyone's like I'm I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh no no not her. Um the oh the empress the empress, empress yeah info? She, she just passed away recently. Um Madeline Khan. Yeah. Yeah she's Dang. oh she passed away. Yeah, she is brilliant Damn. and she's in so many of his films. Um, but that's the cool part. Mel has this great relationship with all these people to keep them coming back. She was also like the in high anxiety and everything too i don't yeah know. he was uh like she, she that whole scene of, of them just going through and it's like pick your escort for uh the orgy later and it's like all the roman soldiers missing pants yeah and she's just looking at him and she's like no 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 no, no yes. yes and it's like yeah you've made some some big picks there and she's like yes i did and the oh my god it was and then the guys start marching away and they're just like their heads are bobbing watching the guys <laughs> longs just go up and down oh man looking at the the casting set again too uh ronnie graham plays oedipus in this and he's also Jew number two in the Spanish Inquisition, <laughs> but you know him in Spaceballs as the uh, priest who's marrying, who's marrying um, Princess Vespa oh. with the prince who Prince uh, Sleeping Beauty, whatever his name is. Princess, come back! The yawning dude that, that always falls asleep. Yeah, I only knew it because I looked at, uh, I saw him come. Uh, I see like a priest picture and i'm like oh shit that's the space balls priest and i see who's playing and i'm like oh okay 
And that in itself was a joke because it's like Oedipus is there and he's blind and it's that whole Oedipus complex from like the actual mm-hmm. old like story there too. So that was really cool that they just kind of insert something pretty, you know, big with literature into just like a, a small little one line joke that's like briefly there. Like it's it's just that kind of good stuff there too. Well, also you have uh, another brilliant actor who had a very small but big part. But the guy who played Jesus was John Hurt. Are you serious? Yes. How awesome oh is that? And I, I, I not Jesus. What? <laughs> yes. What? Yes. What? Jesus. Yes. What? You said what? I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. Anyway, and what's the matter with you? <laughs> um, when I when I was looking at the credits and I saw that, I was like, I never realized it because I'm just used to seeing him as like an old man. You know what I mean? From like the War Doctor and stuff like that. But I know you're not into Doctor Who, but I'm a big Doctor Who fan. Was that that special? Yeah. You have to watch with like the. This. It had like three doctors yeah, in it. Yeah, you got to watch the other. And the penis too. people that transform into other people are in it. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that one. Yeah, that's the one where I, we watched it, and my friend's like, Miles was like, why don't you just knock down the trash cans and then you'd solve your problems? And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Everyone looked at us hella angry. You can't do that. Can't do that. <laughs> we're in a giant watch party, and we just were talking shit the whole time. <laughs> I, I get to, you know, I started up that show when it came back with David Tennant, and I think that's when I came into it. And uh, I think you, if you grew with it, you would see the excitement behind it, but I totally see the jokes behind it. We've always joked about Daleks and like, they're just giant trash cans. Like just kick them. Just <laughs> go near some stairs. Like just, just the minute, the transforming penis people that you show the silhouette of them running. I started laughing so hard and everyone's just like, dude, it's not that funny. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> yes, are you is. fucking serious? Right. Do you not know what you're watching? <laughs> yeah. You got to be able to pick on that too. <laughs> um, great. But like John hurts in it. Oh man. Just his, overall cast gene wilder wasn't in this one was he no he was i thought he was the dad uh in the french revolution that got freed because in the still it looks like him but i guess it's not no it's just some random crazy guy uh because i was looking at his when we were doing producers i was looking at his um i'm to be of the other uh mel brooks movies he was in Mm -hmm. and it was like only a select it was like blazing saddles and young frankenstein and stuff Oh, okay. But he had big parts in yeah. the other films he was in. He was never like a minor part, which is interesting too. Um, in that case, if that's what it is. But yes. damn, that is just, it's just awesome. Um, uh, Dom DeLuise, he's uh, like an iconic um, comedy actor as well. Uh, oh, the plays the emperor. Yeah. And, you know, he was in Silent Movie. He was in Blazing Saddles. Uh, Go watch this. <laughs> I think of I don't know if he was in any of oh he wasn't speak he was Pizza the Hut in Spaceballs. Oh, perfect! Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the best. And that oh, he was also in Robin Hood, Men in Tights. He was Don Giovanni in that one. Um, mm. I think that was it that I could recall. But I mean, he was also he did other amazing roles. I know he was like in the Mumsters and stuff like that. But um. Just the arsenal of talent he had at his disposal was probably why he was able to have so much success with these movies too because all oh, of definitely. these actors were absolutely brilliant. The composer, oh. we talked about it last time, he was the one that the one that worked on Springtime for Hitler also worked on this song with him. And they... he Oh, the Inquisition? The Inquisition. And I think it was the composer, I want to say. Somebody, uh, it wasn't Mel Brooks who thought of it, but it was somebody who was working with him on the song, um, thought of the uh, roulette part 
the 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 Vegas like uh, crank thing, um, and that is just the funniest, most ridiculous thing in the world. Like <laughs> just seeing those it's guys so spin insane. around. Um, the water scene where like it switches to the nuns. Bring out the nuns, and it's like, the fucking. Then the rabbis are all just being sent into yes. the water, and they're like, ah. <laughs> the the part where the girls come out and they're like not you know wet anymore, and they have the sparklers. That's actually oh that was uh reversed. So they filmed them going into the pool, and they just reversed the shot, so it looks like they're coming mm. out of it all dry and whatnot. I like that they uh they come up at, at like a fucking menorah, is what's coming out of the water, and I'm just like, of course, it's <laughs> uh, just like, even though it's like I was looking at the candles, like oh, it's not enough candles, but alright, whatever. <laughs> but I don't know. Overall, this is just like, it's one of those movies that you need to watch it when you're young to get all the goofy jokes and get all those one-liners in your head as a kid. And then you need to rewatch it every couple years. Uh, just appreciate just it to appreciate and learn it. more. Yeah, learn more and get the other jokes. Like, there's so much you're not going to get as a kid, but the more you grow up, you're just going to, like, get more and understand more and more and more. Um, I mean, I would have never understood the unemployment thing, you know? Like, I've always been like, ah, that's funny. That's probably how it works. But, like, I've gone through that. And it's like, that's just hilarious. Like every, every little step throughout it, you're just like, you kind of, it's one of those movies you grow with and that's really hard to pull off. It's really hard to do, but man, if I had a kid, I'd be showing elementary, an elementary kid, this movie just for laughs, just so they could see like the 10 commandments and the, you know, the caveman stuff. And they probably, I remember as a kid, I never really understood their French revolution jokes because they were just sexual and just over my head. I got the piss bucket thing, stuff like that. But I got the the giant pie dog pile and the queen definitely. No, fucking so stupid. So stupid. <laughs> I make three moves this yeah. night. Jump on queen, bishop. Jump on queen, pawn. Stand all the pawns like oh boy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Gang bang! <laughs> he just fucking runs over there. So inappropriate. <laughs> all the little people are running over too, and I'm just like, what is happening right now? Oh man, it is. You know. It's just one of those things. If you just want to laugh and just uh, just let go, it is a perfect film for that. Like, um, it's always been in my top like of favorite films, and I it's one of the few films I own the Blu-ray for. Uh, Roscoe was just like rolling around on the carpet like crazy just now. I was like, my peripheral saw it. I was like, what the? Um, I was like, the cat's the other way. What are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's. I forgot what I was saying. Um, it's it's one of the movies I've always loved, and I hunted it down um, once I realized I hadn't seen it in a while and bought the Blu-ray. And it's I'm glad I've seen this Blu-ray like six times since I bought it because it is brilliant. One of, you know one of the first few movies I showed uh, my fiance when we first started dating. I was like, this is one of my favorites. This it was like that and Monty Python. They kind of go hand in hand for me. They do. Yeah. I mean, they go hand in general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. And I, I will say too, like when you look at it, and then you look at his other movies. In my head, when I was younger, I always thought Spaceballs was pretty bad, mm-hmm. not in quality, but I mean, like I just remember it being like PG. Yeah, it said it on the little VHS box, and it's like PG. And I just remembered I, as a kid, I still remembered. I, I just hear him go like, "Fuck!" Even in the future, nothing works. And I'm like, "He said, he said the, he said the word." And I'm like, "Dang, that was probably his most like." 
you know, vocal of all of his movies. And then, like, later on, I watched History of the World Part 1, and I didn't remember until... Ne- like, I, I watched in high school. I, I only just remembered more of the raunchy, ridiculous mm-hmm. jokes and stuff. But watching it again today, and I'm just like, dude, they say so much more than they did in Spaceballs. Like, it's still funny that in Spaceballs, it's a PG movie with fuck in it. And then... You look at this, and th- what was this? PG thirteen, um, or was it uh, still PG? This one, I, th- I think this one was rated R. Oh, it was R? Holy yeah. shit! Okay, so they could do it all. Yeah. All right, I wasn't. Yeah, Space Wars is PG, which is hilarious. But like, yeah, this is completely opposite, and they just go to town. Like you have, you don't think about it, and you're like, yeah, Space Balls is, you know, made the Schwartz be with you, and oh fuck, he said it once. Yeah, and this one's like. Yo, these dudes masturbating. These dudes masturbating. These guys can't masturbate. The dicks were cut off, but that one can. He was he was faking it the whole time. Oh, they are masturbating. Oh, the dog piling on the queen about the gangbang. All oh, this saying fuck this, fuck that, honky this, honky, and you're just like, oh, okay, yeah, it's like a complete difference than his other films. This is probably mm-hmm. I would say this is probably like the in terms of uh, mature content, probably the biggest. Right. I would say so. I think this is yeah. yeah. I have to rewatch uh, Blazing Saddles. I feel like Blazing Saddles is like the most offensive one, um, but it's been a while since I've watched the two side by side, so I would have to take another look at that one. But oh man, yeah, this one is yeah. You know, I think Blazing Saddles is offensive to an extent, but the fact that this one where hits, are all the white women at? Yeah, you know stuff like that, <laughs> and when they they want the <laughs> the black guys to sing, and they expect like. Uh, was it that do da day do da like stupid songs like that? Oh, and, the fuck! And, and it's all just like amazing, beautiful, just like perfect, like just a group of singers and voices. Yeah, yeah, you're just like blown away by the performance, and they're like, "No, I want to sing a real song," and it's all just stupid and retarded and rednecky, and like that part's offensive, but it doesn't like push the boundaries, I guess, the way this one does. I mean, for them to da- tap into. You know, it starts off with a masturbation joke, and then you. It always does. Yeah, and you go into like slavery uh, with the Romans and everything, and make jokes about that and political. That woman jokes. just gets carried off at the auction. She's like, "No!" <laughs> you, you think about you don't even think about it. You're just laughing. You're like, "Oh, she it sucks for her," but you know, it's hilarious. And then they, and like, they make fun of horrible. religion, politics, uh, like the way uh, girls were treated in, in France at the time and just sexual stuff mm-hmm. like that, like uh, death and the inquisition and so much more religious jokes. Like, I guess this is why this is just over the top insanity barrier breaking stuff. Like exactly. Yeah. And it's even with the King, it was the whole thing. It was like, Oh yeah, the King deserves to die. He does all this horrendous shit. And he's like a, a pig. And then he switches for a moment. Cause it's like the piss boy. And, uh, <laughs> You know, he's like, oh, wow, I'm really, you know, it's like, oh, he's really nice. And you feel bad because it's like, oh, they took away the dude you don't care about if they kill. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, no, don't kill the piss boy. <laughs> he was just a piss boy. <laughs> and he pardoned the dad who oh had God. dead birds. And a... <laughs> what's wrong? Cat got your tongue. Pulls out a fucking cat out of the bird cage. Oh, oh, my gosh. Yes. That's... I'm going to invent the catapult. <laughs> this fucking throws the cat out the window. <laughs> oh my god oh my god yeah so th- this is the issue with this movie and this episode is the the i keep wanting to be more 
intelligent about talking about it but then i just go to my base instincts of this scene was funny i want to talk about it yeah. and then just quote like, it you can't it's like that's it. how good this movie is and yeah. that's how you know it's brilliant is that you could pull quotes from every single scene like every single scene i was at first gonna take notes and i'm like oh i'm gonna take notes on these jokes mm-hmm. and just in the caveman area i'm like i'm not gonna get that's that. a whole I page i'm not of stuff. i have to stop i'm already stopping it's not gonna happen i'll remember it it's okay it's really hard to find a line that you're not like wanting to use later on in life like you just want to find a way to use that in your everyday like talk with people or make reference i think this to. doesn't more than anything yeah yeah no any other movie like every single line is a joke like i can't think of a line in that movie where it wasn't actually a joke yeah yeah they because they would connect the dots for everything and that's his brilliance that's his writing that's how well he knew the craft and how well he knew the execution of the craft because that's that's knowing it and writing it is one thing but the execution behind it all and you know mel said that this was during a time where he as a director um was very strict and he knew what he wanted and he would make them do stuff uh, until he got what he wanted. I want to say that the dancing, um, the swim part, they did like 20 mm-hmm. times until they got it to where he wanted it. 20 times of dancing nuns. Yeah. Did the, did they have to torture the Jewish guys like 20 times? Too, I can imagine that. that. Like, I wonder if that was like a last like, all right, we got it guys. <laughs> just toss them in the water now, but oh, no, no, <laughs> But I mean, I can only imagine all the hard work that goes into learning the choreography and, you know, the the line itself and just, you know, going down each part of the inquis- the dungeon and hitting all those parts like it's magnificent. I mean, he started with like doing this in a day at the, you know, doing that dancing with the producers and having to create a set. And here they got to have their full fledged sets. I think the Inquisition mm-hmm. part was one of the most expensive parts because if you notice, uh, the one that they used for the very beginning for the caveman, they used like three or four more times. Um, you could tell by the background in certain scenes and you could tell that they took apart the mountains a little bit and reshaped it for other sets. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, he he got a lot out of it. And I think this was his most expensive movie. It was like $11 million or something like that. Or and it I'm made- not surprised because it's like varying sets, even though... The end of Blazing Saddles literally has varying oh, yeah, sets, yeah. but they literally yeah. <laughs> let's get them, girls. Yeah. <laughs> and this one they filmed in the U.S. and then they went to Europe to finish filming it. Really? Yeah. Was it for the French Revolution portion that they had to do that? Um, actually, that I don't recall which parts they did. I think there was, yeah, I think it was the French Revolution parts they did for that. They probably um, wanted to go to the real French Garden and be like, "Hey, uh, could we have like a bunch of dudes just dogpile this woman here for a movie?" Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's, it's the royal chest. Don't we worry do that about every it. Sunday. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think the some of the Rome parts were done at Caesar's Palace in Vegas too. Dude, that I forgot about. That was so. I was cracking up so much with that, and especially like I'm going to Vegas in November. Nice, and I'm like. I have all these, uh, it'll be like for not a full week, but it'll be like five days or something. So I was straight up just going to go and take it slow and just enjoy like all these hotels, like check them all out, yeah, you know, yeah. take them oh, very yeah. slow. And now this is like, it's like Caesar's Palace is like history of the world part one, the hangover, all this other stupid shit. And you're just like, oh, I'm going to have fun here. Yeah. And I'm sure the employees hate it because <laughs> someone's going to be like, is this really Caesar's Palace? And like, I fucking, it's like when we were at Ollivander's wand yeah. shop. 
and that guy started getting pissed off about Pottermore. Yes. And I was like, I told you guys, I told you they really hate it when you talk about Pottermore. That's the bane of their existence. It was that whole oh thing. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh God. That was, oh man. If you guys want to hear more about our little Florida experience that we keep on bringing up, check out the upcoming, I don't know if it's upcoming or just come out, Apollo City Comics episode, but we talked about our entire trip. The, this comes out this Wednesday. So this episode is out on, uh, what, what day is it out actually on? It's uh September 22nd is the day you'll be listening to this if you're well, you're already listening to this or it's the day after yeah. that depending on when you actually So this week this, this new it. episode for Apollo check it out and you'll be able to hear that too. September 23rd. Yeah. yeah. Should be out that day. And I'll be on there too cuz we all we met in person for the first time you and yes. me. Yes. Yeah. You and I. It was amazing. We've been for first podcasting yeah, for over a year and it's been uh it, there was no screen. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> no screen nothing can keep like, us apart finally this feels more awkward now than it did <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? we actually did the marriage style that they showed too with the club and everything yes. we did it we did all that yes. while we were there oh yeah yeah took advantage of that. in the wonderful world of disney <laughs> <laughs> but, but all right that's all i got for mel brooks and i'm so glad Same. we got to do a month on him because he deserves so much more and we'll revisit some stuff at some point but you know, there's some point. yeah, some point. There's but you know, go check out his other movies. Like go watch Young Frankenstein. October's coming up. Like if, watch Spaceballs. If you haven't seen Spaceball, that is actually still one of the funniest movies yeah, of all time. That me. is like, like that, a uh essential practically, like if you're a Star Wars fan in general. Oh yeah, easily. That's probably one of honestly that's like that that's one of the best Star Wars movies. It's probably top three Star oh, Wars. Oh yeah, movies. for sure. For sure. Like it is better than the current trilogy and maybe a bit better than the prequels, but you know. Uh, those are both different types of comedies, I would say. Yeah. You know, they're, they're... Yeah. <laughs> You said that boom cha cha. And if you want to get offended a little bit and have fun, go watch Blazing Saddles. Like that's Yeah. And you know, watch Remember... that in, in preparation of Blazing Samurai coming out next year. Did we talk about that? Is that is that is that actually? Happening? Yeah, no. Blazing Samurai is like kind of a. Re- it sounds like it's gonna be like a remake of Blazing Saddles in like CGI, and Mel Brooks is attached to it, and it looks. Is like, Max Brooks doing it then? I guess so. I'm not too sure. Then again, he's only like a, he, for those that don't know, Mel Brooks is a writer of for a son, Max Brooks, and he's actually done some dope shit. If you've never heard of it, the official zombie survival guide. And how to survive a zombie apocalypse? He actually did that, and he actually made the book to World War Z. Oh wow! Which isn't uh, the like the movie is based on the property, even though it's a bullshit uh, version. Mm-hmm. Like if you watch the movie, the book is nothing like that. It's twenty times more intelligent than the the movie. Um, but uh, yeah, check out his stuff. He has really cool zombie stuff. Uh, I think he did some GI Joe stuff for a bit too. I don't know what else, but I remember meeting him, and it was so cool i didn't even the the thought didn't even hit my head that it's like oh this is mel brooks son i was so infatuated going yo your zombie shit is so cool man i love it like uh he was a cool guy man. but and um, you know what max brooks did a bunch of work on justice league stuff too oh really yeah so, yeah, so th- this yeah so the, the brooks family line is a very powerful lineage of these creative jewish men who yeah, just <laughs> who give us great things to the world honestly um you know one guy gave us comedy and the other guy gave us zombie books and you're like i appreciate both you know yeah. it, it works out Crap, that's so dope yeah which uh speaking of not zombies but the upcoming month uh october mm-hmm. is next guys so you know we can't not do some form of horror 
And we thought, what better to start off with than the blood-sucking style? And we're going to the two earliest versions. The 1920s film Nosferatu, which is a silent film. And quite a, uh, you know, he made guest appearances in Spongebob. You know, they're like, no, it's Ferratu. And he flips the light and stuff. It's fantastic. And then, of course, uh, the universal monster movie, Dracula from the 30s. And we'll be doing that as well. That one I've actually never seen. So that'll be really cool. I haven't seen either one. um, So I'm hyped. I'm also reading the Dracula book right now. I started it today as we're recording. Um, And I'm kind of doing a little research behind this. So I'm going to have my own little vampire month as we're doing this to get as much as I can out of this month. Yeah, and I think this is your... The last time we had a book comparison from you was what, like... Uh, June with the Bond... Yeah. The last Bond stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, yeah, so that'll be cool to bring that back in. And then, of course, you know, we're getting closer to our... We don't actually decide our movies until December mm-hmm. uh, is when we'll decide 2022. But now that you said Blazing Samurai, now I'm like, well, now we have to do the fucking <laughs> Sergio Leone... Uh, Akira there you go. <laughs> fucking movies of like uh, Clint Eastwood and all that shit. There oh my you God. Go. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure Yeah, we'll, we'll do a month of that for and sure. And we might just maybe do a surprise episode on No Time to Die. So keep an eye out for that. Yes. Oh yeah, it's gonna, I keep thinking it's November. And I'm like, right, that movie comes out in October. It's so, it's gonna be weird because it's like, uh, guys, our final Bond month of the year, which we're just knocking them all out until we run out of Bond yeah. movies. But uh, we're doing Casino Royale, both new the, the Daniel Craig and the original version, plus the Pierce Brosnan GoldenEye. Mm. And it's like, <laughs> we're doing that after No Time to Die. So it's just like, it's like rattling in my head going, this, this is so yeah. weird. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, we're going to do a... It'll be a fun bonus for you guys, yeah. for sure. So we're excited. So, man, this was this was fun. I needed some good laughter, and Mel Brooks is perfect for that. Yeah, best medicine, man, for sure. But Brandon, where can people find you? Check out Apollo City Comics on all podcast platforms and YouTube. Uh, we have a bunch of good stuff. And on TikTok, too. We're doing one-minute reviews of series on TikTok and check it out also hit up coffee and a comic we have if you listen to our episodes there's a coupon code in there for you guys to order books from and uh, we're doing i'm also part of the book club for coffee and a comic so once a month um you could check that out and we just had the editor of king spawn on our most recent episode so check out coffee and a comic oh, no. youtube yeah whole hour and a half of spawn talk so good stuff good stuff i love your spawn talk so much oh boy <laughs> come run i mean everyone's already listening on sutra side talk but what else do we have upcoming of course uh you know what's going on with Sidewatch, but of course Side talk we still do our weekly uh game movie tv show talk of what we've been watching and playing james and i and uh, also the news which um if the newest episode already came out you heard us talk about the playstation showcase that just happened so there's the talk on that, among some other things. But uh, Cut of Steel is still going on. You can go back and listen to our The Suicide Squad episode. I believe that was episode nine, where we talk all about that. But we have our first comic book episode coming up, where uh, Brandon Moncada, the other Brandon, and I, possibly this Brandon too, we'll see, uh, will be talking about uh, the st- current state of like DC and kind of how they're oversaturating with certain characters like not not bad not maybe not batman except 
pretty much mainly Batman, among other things. We'll talk about kind of where DC's at um, in comics. And then, of course, up to it, down to it, we recently had a talk on uh, conventions. And uh, we'll have another episode coming out either September or October. We'll see which one we can get out first. But uh, we'll have some of that, too. And, of course, uh, follow it on Instagram mainly and, of course, Twitter but now we're also on TikTok, uh, Sutra Side Talk with one word. It's all on the uh, uh, show notes there. Mm. And we're I'm trying to do random stuff with it. You'll see everything from uh, news talk to talk. People ask me about Batman to all this other shit. But it'll be uh, just random stuff, uh, all types of things, whether it's movies, games, TV shows, statues, uh, unboxings of whatever crap. But who knows? It'll just be random shit for the most part. Uh, that's more tailored to that area, if anything. But uh, yeah, that's that's the show, guys. And we will catch you in two weeks for some fun vampire nibbles. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks for hanging, Cameron. Thanks for coming, man. So long. See you. <laughs>